owe an apology to Jarkel Joyner. There will be no Jarkel slander tonight. Randy, KJ Buffin came back in a big way. It seems like he's got his rhythm back. Why are we being favored against such highly ranked teams? And for some reason or another, the sports books seem to really like this Ole Miss basketball. I wanted to bet on that. I was are we a tournament seed? You could get a chance to make a tournament. I know you said there's five games left, but really there's six. Love affair with Bomb Trady. Tom Brady has seven Super Bowl rings. That's just so relatable. He's just <laughs> like us. Wow, Peyton Manning is better, a better quarterback than Tom Brady in general. <laughs> that's that's true, I take. I don't claim him. Um, How do you not claim Eli Manning? How do you I not claim Eli Manning? I want to revoke Randy's Ole Miss fanship. If I can't slander the Manning, can I slander Drew Pomeroy? And they overblow it and say Oxford's a crime. Hunt. I've got Ben Van Cleve leading the way with Shakira's Hips Don't Lie. Biggest favorites are Kale Baker with Hotel Room Service. I'm more of a traditionalist when it comes to baseball. Howdy. Welcome to the Bait Shack Podcast, presented by hashtag Come to the Shack. Your home for freshwater fishing tips, grumblings from the grove, big game banner, and all the chum you can feed on regarding University of Ole Miss Athletics. We're coming to you from the Landshark Lounge on Lake Sardis, so grab a cold one, sit back, and reel in the Bait Shack cast. Welcome to episode 29 of the Bait Shack. We're coming to you after a big dub against number 10 Mizzou on the hardwood. Tonight, we've got hooks and hoops with Randy and Kyle breaking down the dominant performance, plus looking ahead to this weekend's matchup against South Carolina. Randy gets his five minutes of bomb tradey talk. What's wrong with Oxford? Social media or social issues? We get lighter with the Shack's walk-up songs, and we talk baseball rule changes. All this plus more. You're listening to The Bait Shack with Joey, Kyle, Randy, and myself, Earl, on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If you're an Apple listener, be sure to drop us a five-star rating and leave us a review. Find us on social at the Bait Shack underscore on Instagram and Twitter. Let's over to the Hooks and Hoops with Kyle and Randy set to break down last night's big win. We've got a 21-point win. Against the number 10 team, the second time this week we've beaten a top 10 team. First time, I think they said in like, what, 10, 20 years or something? So that, that we've beaten two top 10 teams in the same season. So that's a reason to celebrate. Randy, I know I cut you off. What do you want to say? Go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say that um, I, I owe an apology to Jarkel Joyner. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it might be that. I had a feeling. I've, um, I've been very critical of that young man on this basketball team all year and i think he heard my criticisms and took it out on, <laughs> took it out on missouri tonight um the young man went for 21 points three rebounds three assists eight for 14 from the field and then one for four from three um he made a three-pointer tonight i i want to on that note i do want to address we had a fan reach out justin bush um and justin was a little upset with the way that i have called Jar- I've, I've kind of nailed on Jarkel a little bit for his shot selection. There will be no Jarkel slander tonight, Randy. There will no. Okay, there will be no Jarkel slander, but I do want to address this, Justin. You're right when you do say the best shot is the shot that he makes. I agree with that. I can't argue against that. I do think the shots in- inefficient, but he makes them, and so at that point, I don't argue with it. Let him shoot it. It does pain me to watch it, though. I do cringe when I see it. I'm like, God, this could be a three, but. He doesn't shoot threes well. He shoots that mid-range jumper really well. So keep shooting it, Jark. And Justin, you're keeping me on my toes. You're keeping me straight. You're keeping me on my bullshit. So I appreciate that, man. So to be kind of nitpicky, he with, with that it's a vague his long-range jump shot or whether it's kind of like a vague where exactly on the court is it tonight. It seemed like he let it come to him a lot more, and it seemed like that mid-range was more of the 10 to 15 foot range as opposed to the 20-foot, 20 22-foot range, which that's what drives me nuts. Because it's yeah, like, if you just take a step or two back, you're on a three-point three shot now. But tonight, he had so many of those where he kind of, right around like the free throw line, a little closer maybe, and Justin said it, that's his money shot, man. He, he doesn't miss that thing. I I found myself like actually being like, oh, shoot, he's open, shoot it, which that had for most of the season, that's not how it went when he'd shoot those. But mm-hmm. he does make that a lot. 
and I don't hate that mid range as much as I do a long range. Like you said, that mid range is not that in, is not as inefficient as a long two. He's but killing he, it there. He's making the long twos, and so I've been very critical of that. And so I think some people maybe think that I think it's a bad shot, and I probably have said that it's a bad shot. So I'm just kind of correcting myself. It's an inefficient shot. There's a little difference in bad and inefficient, but I've probably said it's a bad shot. Like Justin said, if he's making them, it's a good shot. And so that's a good point. I'm glad you pointed that out. Um, like you said, I was doing the same thing tonight. Like Jarkill got the ball and it was like, hey, shoot, shoot, you're going to make it. And he made it. And it was like, if he gets close enough, I'm like, yeah, green light. I'm like, where did this come from? Like earlier in the, earlier in the season, we were like, this dude's a bust. And then he kind of, he's getting in his groove. I still, I want to see consistently, I want to see him do it for a few more games, but I'm not going to criticize him. He's playing well, I, and I'm being nitpicky when I say I want consistency, but I just want to see it for a few more games before I say, hey, this dude's a key player. Yeah. And he, I mean, he was a key <clears throat> player tonight. He, he helped win that game. It looked like he let the game come to him more, um, and the offense had a lot more movement. It looked like it looked a lot more like the first month of play where we just the offense looked very fluid, and that's what I saw again tonight. And I think that helps Joiner get some better shots. And the other thing I noticed with that, it, it allows him to drive to the basket a little more. I noticed he had a couple of times tonight where he was able to drive to the basket because they have to respect his mid range shot there at the 15 20 foot shot at 15 20 foot mark and he saw that a couple times and took it in it was really good got to the free throw line uh four times that was also good he's our best free throw shooter by far um but something else that we like to see randy kj buffin came back in a big way kj did kj came back 9.6 rebounds four assists in 26 minutes he stepped up big in a game where romello white kind of stepped back had foul trouble only played 12 minutes, six points. You know, we saw Melo kind of lead the team to a victory over this weekend. And then, you know, Buffin's kind of been non-existent these past few games. There's been something going on there. And it seems like he's got his rhythm back, you know. I mean, I will take 9.6 rebounds, four assists off the bench all day. Even when, it, I mean, 26 points is not really bench minutes, but he technically did come off the bench. Yeah. And like you said, Romello White got the foul trouble in the second half almost right away. He only plays three minutes in the second half. So a guy like Robert Allen steps up in a big way. He plays uh, 18 minutes pretty much the entire second half. And that's where he got his points all from the free throw line because he's another guy that's shown the ability to drive to the basket and get to the basket. And he had guys like Jeremiah Tillman and people getting in foul trouble because they weren't able to stop it. Um, great effort plays. He had six rebounds in the second half. So he kind of took over the role for Romello White. And then like you said, Buffin um, helped big time as well, giving us really solid minutes, really good effort plays. Um, I think more of what uh, Kermit Davis was kind of challenging him to do uh, when he did that a few weeks ago after the, I think it was the Arkansas game or whatever it was. Yeah, and when you say Allen played 18 minutes, that's just second half. He played 27 minutes in the entire yeah. game. And first half was a little non-existent. I mean, he was on the court. He played a little bit. But second half is kind of where he did his damage, got his six rebounds. Um Kyle, we're seeing another trend here, too. And I don't know if you're picking up on it. I know you picked on it on the last episode. But do you realize how many players we played tonight? Same guys. He's got a group mm -hmm. that he's comfortable with now. And I mentioned it. Yeah, every yeah. single time, we, this three-game winning streak, he's got a group of guys that he really likes. And I keep hearing Kadeem C is not part of that. And it's because of some kind of injury or whatever that he's not available. I almost worry that he's going to come back and it's not going to mesh as well. Yeah. I mean, you're seeing C, you're seeing Sean Robinson, Domicio Vaughn, you're seeing Crowley. Those guys are losing minutes. And They're gone, yeah. Yeah, outside of, I mean, if Melo White doesn't get in foul trouble, you probably don't see as many minutes off the bench from a few guys. And so that kind of skews it a little bit, but they're playing with the same guys. So uh, question now is, we came into this game, you know, we're, you know, I think in the 70s on RPI. Uh, however, you know, Missouri is ranked number 10, but we came in as a two and a half point favorite in this game. So question to you guys is, why are we being favored against such highly ranked teams? Randy, you were kind of touching on this off, off air, so kind of want to get your opinion on this. Yeah, so, and for some reason or another, the sports books seem to really like this Ole Miss basketball team. I think a big part of that is the defense. You see, you look at ranking sites like Ken Palm, and they love this defense. 
Kyle, you've looked at it more recently than I have, but the defense is ranked, what, top 15 on Ken Palm? 17, yeah. 17, so pretty close. Pretty close to top 15, and I think that's kind of swaying some of the odds makers here because if you have a strong defense and you can force turnovers, that's kind of an upset uh, ingredient for an upset. Um, you can bog down teams that you know score a lot of points. You can bog down teams that have just an okay offense, and you can take advantage of those decisions. And so I think that's why they're favored, because I've had that same thought where I've looked at games and we're favored, and I'm like, what are they, what, why? Like, why is Ole Miss favored in this game? They're, they shouldn't be. Like, I wouldn't have them favored. And then you see them beat Tennessee. You see them beat Missouri. I want to say, was Ole Miss favored in that Tennessee game, or was that a Tennessee minus Tennessee five? Tennessee was favored, I think, by two and a half, four and a half, something like that. It wasn't enough. Yeah, not enough in my opinion. I mean, I wanted to bet on that. I was trying, or I was rushing to find a bookie. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't gamble because I am, I can't. But, um, so yeah, that I remember seeing that line too and being like, that's funky. Um, but what was it Auburn? There was another game where I'm trying to think where Ole Miss was favored, and I was like, why are we favored in this? Like, we shouldn't be favored in this. And maybe, maybe I'm misremembering a game, but this one for sure, this one was one. This was a game where I said it on the last episode. I don't think Ole Miss wins the game. They did in, in amazing fashion. I was wrong, and I'm okay being wrong. I may just predict a loss the rest of the season. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't mind being wrong. I don't mind being wrong in that situation. <laughs> and so I will sit here and I will take my L on that because they proved me wrong. And I, I know I'm trying to think out of the games left this season. I think you're favored in every one of them except for maybe Missouri, but you just beat Missouri. But it's going to be at Missouri, so maybe that maybe it's you know a pick 'em, maybe it's Missouri minus two. But I think that's probably the only game left on the schedule that you shouldn't be favored for. And so talking about the rest of the season, got to get your guys' now opinion again on. Are we a tournament seed? What needs to happen to get that tournament seed for us? So the first thing that needs to happen is we need to keep playing like we did tonight. That's where it all starts because we can speculate all the rest of the games. If it doesn't, if we don't get the play we had tonight in these last three games, it's all for nothing. And I think the biggest part of it, and we have touched on it a lot, it's because, in my opinion, it's because of the limited players he's using. We're not using 11 guys, 10 guys. We're using eight at most. And I'm not in the locker room, and obviously this is all speculation, and you know it can be wrong. But my opinion of why it's working so well is that you're starting to see guys find their roles. You know, guys are getting their roles. You have Morel coming off the bench; he's kind of your three-point shooter. Uh, you have Sammy Hunter who comes in, he gives Romello White or Allen or whoever it is a breather. He gets a couple quick shots. He plays great defense. Um, <clears throat> you've got Schuler's the kind of leader. You got Romello's the smasher down low. Luis Rodriguez the defender. You kind of have all these roles for guys, and it, you can see it on the court. They're getting a lot more comfortable in those roles as opposed to the beginning of the year where they're just kind of looking like chickens with their head cut off trying to figure out what they are and who they are. So now you've got five, six, seven guys, and everybody just kind of knows their role, and they, they're really thriving in their roles. And now you have a team that looks like a team. And I think it's just part of that's COVID that it hasn't happened yet. And usually it doesn't take 19 games for it to happen or whatever we're at now. But I think, you know, part of me thinks that that is why we struggled early on because we had all these different players trying to figure out, you know, where to put who and what to run and all the different stuff and everything. But now you're seeing the team look like a team more and they're, they look really well. They're, they're meshing really well now. And, you know, everyone says the best time of the season to get hot is right around March. So if we can keep this going, you could get a chance to make a tournament. And on your note of the team looks like they're meshing really well together. Going forward, we have five games left um, in the regular season. Three of these are on the road. Currently, we're three and five as an away team. Should there be a little bit more of a concern that we're not going to get that five or four and one record because there's there's more games on the road than there have been? Uh, Randy, you're going to take that one? Uh, I don't think so. I don't think that's a worry if they continue playing like they have. Um, I mean, especially if they play like they did tonight. They play like they did tonight, and shoot, this team's probably running the table. But I don't expect that type of uh, level of play. But if they stay consistent to what they have these past few games, I don't think that's a big issue. Um, I know you said there's five games left, but really there's six. There's going to be a rescheduled game. 
I've heard that there's could possibly be some moving around in the schedule. They're tr they're probably going to add a tier one matchup, or they're trying to a tier one SEC in conference matchup with LSU. And we're recording this on Wednesday night at like eleven. So if this is out tomorrow before the pod comes out, this is why I'm saying this, but or the way I'm saying it. But I've heard that you know, they're possibly going to schedule a game with LSU uh, for midweek next week, and so that's another opportunity for a big win for Ole Miss. You've got South Carolina, you've got LSU, State, Vanderbilt, Kentucky, and Missouri again. You should be favored in all but two of those, I think. Missouri and LSU, you tell me it's a you know, minus one LSU, minus one Missouri, sure. But if they keep playing like they're playing, I don't think being on the road is really going to hurt them that much. LSU being on the road, I believe, makes it tier one. Um and then for those who might have missed the game or whatever, they said <clears throat> during the broadcast, um, allegedly Joe Lenardi said that with the win, he would move us. He would kind of have us behind the next four out of the tournament. So basically, first four outs, your first four teams that don't make it. Next four outs, the next four. So we're kind of looking at being in that 9 to 15 range of teams that aren't in the tournament. I believe what she said was like 70, mid-70, 70, low 70, maybe even high 70s. But... Basically, with the win, you're looking, you're you're on the bubble of the bubble. <laughs> it's kind of where we are, um, and so I think to finish out the season, if, ideally your only loss is to Missouri because that loss is not going to hurt you. That's basically like playing Alabama in football last year. If you win, hell yeah. If you don't, it's not a big deal. Um, I'm worried if there's a second loss, who it's going to come to come to, because that's really what's going to hit. Because obviously, if it's the Vanderbilt or South Carolina, that's really going to hurt you. Uh, but you know, even with that, you always kind of don't want to leave it to be. You have to do something in the SEC tournament, but you do have an opportunity to pad the resume if the SEC tournament happens, um, and maybe pad another win in there. Yeah, and if they move that LSU, if they give us that LSU game, um, I think they'll probably move that South Carolina game to Oxford on Saturday. And so that's another game. That makes it even more of a game you cannot lose. A home game against a down South Carolina. And then you would go to LSU, be a road game, like you said, a Tier 1 game. Um, a game that you should win, you need to win. I think if you lose, it doesn't kill you. It doesn't, I mean, it hurts a little bit. Because like you said, you kind of need to just have one loss for the rest of the way. But I don't think it just ends your season. I think it just makes it where you maybe need to win one more in, in Nashville. So on that, um... Do you guys want to look ahead to the South Carolina game? Although I think you just mentioned you're not actually sure if it's an away game or a home game or, or what, but what to look forward to this, this Saturday? Um, yeah, I mean, I don't. it won't really matter if it's home or away. Um, I, I believe we did a quick, because we were supposed to play them a month ago. Um, they're, they're not, I mean, like we were saying, they're really not all that good. The problem is they'll go on runs really quick because they're a team that they forced you a they force your hand on defense, but this year they really haven't been all that good. Um, the two guys that we were talking about was Lawson and Cuisinart, the two guards that are really good. And I believe Keyshawn Bryant is a guy kind of like um, Romello White, just not as big. He's, just, he's very athletic, uh, makes big plays, can get in your face defensively. But I don't know. There, there's really not a lot to worry about. I honestly kind of think this could be a game that if you want, you could feed Romello White down low all day because they don't really have a guy that could be able to stop them. They've got one guy that's over 6'8 that plays down low, and he's not quick, and he's kind of clumsy. So if you want, there's that route. Um, but they are kind of quick, so you might struggle a little bit trying with the guard play, driving lanes and whatnot. But I don't know. I really think – and they're physical too. South Carolina is always a physical team. That's Frank Martin ball. But – it's a team that we should match up pretty well with, and I think that is a team that we should be able to beat. I wouldn't worry about it, but the only reason I would worry about it is because Ole Miss dropping this, dropping to the level of talent for lesser opponents. Yep, and that's been kind of an issue, especially in the, the Georgia series this year. But that'll wrap it up with Hoops and Hooks with Kyle and Randy. Let's head over to Randy. Uh, we're going to give him uh, five minutes of airtime. Uh, to talk about his love affair with Bomb Trady, I believe is his name. Uh, some some individual that has retired down in the uh, the Gulf of Florida uh, for his what I don't know seventh national championship or or I guess Super Bowl or something. I don't know who who really cares. Nobody really pays attention to this guy. So Randy, we'll let you have the floor. So last week we talked Super Bowl predictions, right? <laughs> and so 
One person on this show picked Tampa Bay. One person. That one person was me. I'm just going to gloat. Everyone on the other, everyone else on the show picked Kansas City. All I heard was Mahomes this, Mahomes that. Mahomes played fine. And all right, Randy, thank you for your five minutes of talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Tom Brady has seven Super Bowl rings. He's been to ten Super Bowls. He has more Super Bowl rings than any franchise in the league. He has more Super Bowl rings than 18 franchises combined. Tom Brady, he's a franchise of his own. You put his stats up against teams, franchises, and he just he blows it away. It's amazing. We're getting into Wayne Gretzky-level stats with this man. I mean, you combine the Super Bowl wins of Peyton Manning, Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, Russell Wilson, they still don't they still don't match up to Tom Brady and his seven. They have six combined. He has seven. Tom Brady went into Kansas City. They dominated. They dominated the Chiefs. They went into went into Tampa Bay. They played Kansas City. It was a home game for the Bucks and they showed out. They got that seventh ring. Tom flipped the bird to Roger Goodell. Tom flipped the bird to all the haters. You know, it's like he's like that song says in his videos. You can hate me now. And so, all the listeners, you can hate me now because you've got to listen to me talk about Tom Brady, Thomas Edward Brady Jr. Tom Brady is just, I mean, I can't say enough words. We saw this video today of him coming out the parade just, you know, drunk off his ass. That's just so relatable. He's just <laughs> like us. He's just like us, Earl. We're, just, you know, that looks so like that was his first time drinking since like. Which we'll actually have some more on, on that here coming up um, with our next subject. But I was I, gonna I, say that looks just like me leaving the Grove <laughs> on Saturday. I, I do have two voicemails for for you, Randy. So we're gonna we're gonna kick this one off, and you can you know basically continue on with this uh, love affair. Uh, but we do want to give a shout out to our uh, voicemail callers. Yes, hello, Betcha. I was just calling to say congratulations to the New England Patriots on winning the Super Bowl. Tom Brady is the goal. I am. I have no problem hanging a banner for the Super Bowl. That team had more former Patriots on it than I could count. That team is <laughs> Patriots South. I have. Can, I have. You a can banner. count the seven, but you can't count the five. The five. That's how many former Patriots they had, right? Well, they probably had more than that. You don't know. There's, you can't find those stats. Those stats don't exist, Kyle. You're making that up. <laughs> I have a banner at the house that it has all the Patriots Super Bowl years under it. Hell, I'm thinking about getting 2021 embroidered. I might do it in like Buccaneer font or something as a little toast to Tampa. But I mean, seven rings. I, you I know want what Randy bet. sounds like. Randy sounds like all those Ohio State fans who celebrated a national championship when Joe Burrow won. Did Joe Burrow win six in Ohio State before, though? <laughs> no, because you can't play six no. seasons in college football. Well, I mean, the more the Mormons disagree there. <laughs> but, uh, but Randy, on another note, we've got another voicemail. Uh, this one actually might make you think a little bit. Yeah, this is Jimmy from Chickasaw County, and uh, my question was for Randy. But can you tell me why Peyton Manning is better a better quarterback than Tom Brady in general? All right, thanks, Paycheck. Why Peyton Manning is a better quarterback than Tom Brady? Well, there's just no there's no metric that says that. The one metric that matters doesn't say that. The one metric that matters. Could it be a Saturday Night Live performances? I don't know. Tom's got some pretty good ones. Tom does some good Saturday Night Tom Live. Tom Brady's commercials aren't as funny as Peyton Manning's. Hey, I don't know. I laughed at that Dick Sporting Goods commercial he's in. There, would, there is only one person that has stopped Tom Brady from having nine Super Bowls. Well, two. And who is that? Nick Foles. Who, no. <laughs> <laughs> God. Right, you, that, that's true, I take. <laughs> Nick Foles. I can't believe Nick Foles. And it took luck. It took pure luck for that team and for those Giants teams to win. I mean, y'all want to talk about some real little brother behavior? When the he who shall not be named Manning says, oh, I love it when Tom wins the Super Bowl. He Eli? Both. You no, can no, say no, Eli. He went to your favorite say. school. Well, I don't I don't claim him. Um, <laughs> How do you not claim Eli Manning? How do you not claim Eli fucking Manning? I don't claim <laughs> Eli. touchdowns for us when you were in diapers. I don't claim Eli. <laughs> I don't claim Eli, 
So, all right, just mute him. He doesn't even get an opinion now. Oh, wait, yeah, that, that is so just... What? Kick Hold him on. Out. It's such little brother behavior to hear he who shall not be named say, Oh, I love seeing Tommy win some Super Bowls. It helps bolster my pitiful Hall of Fame resume. I might get in. My big brother got in first ballot. Maybe I will now because Tommy keeps winning. You can't be your big brother if you never beat we're, you. We're not going to put up with this slander. We're not putting up with Eli slander on an, on an <laughs> Ole Miss pod. <laughs> hey, hey, no. But can I slander Drew? I want to revoke Randy's Ole Miss fanship. Can I take his degree away? Like, how can you think hate about Eli the things? Let's think about the things that he has said on this podcast. He has mentioned that he loves Mike Leach. He has mentioned that he loves Davis Wade Stadium. That it's hands down better than the Vought. Now he's saying he hates Eli Manning. <laughs> this sounds just like one giant coup by Mississippi State is, fans. I'm is sorry, Randy Morgan secretly? Again? Is I'm going to say is Randy a secret spy? Like, is he undercover for the? Uh, is he undercover for Mississippi State? Did somebody disguise him as an Ole Miss fan and put him as deep into our society as possible to upend what is the University of Mississippi, the flagship university of the state? I think we're on to something here. I don't know. I've gotten deeply integrated into this place if I did. (laughs) I got in, and if it did, that's kind of a detriment to Ole Miss. (laughs) Why don't you let me get so deep involved here? Um, but can, can hey I, okay if yeah. I can't slander if I can't slander the Manning can I slander Drew Pomeranz? No. That man, I'm okay. a Reds fan and I don't slander the man. No. You well, I'm a Red I'm a Red Sox fan and I can slander the man. Then he you was definitely a, can't. He was a walking home run when he pitched. They put him in the game when they wanted the game to end. They were like, you know what, 14th inning, we're done. Put in Drew. Boom, game's over. All right, so we gave Randy his final. Okay, hold on, one more take. I got my. No, I have my final no. penance. <laughs> I have my final penance here. First, Tom didn't throw a single interception in the Super Bowl after I listened to all you talk about how he would. <laughs> Two, Randy, the, you said he would throw five. I said if he throws five and wins, it'd be funny. No, you said <laughs> he'll throw five. Well, he didn't. He threw zero. How many Mahomes <laughs> throw? <laughs> Mahomes threw two. And then finally, I'll, this is it. I'll let it rest until next year. We we are on to ring eight season, baby. The great eight going for Alex Ovechkin numbers. Are you talking about the number of wins the Patriots are aiming for next season? Hopefully, the I'm hoping the Patriots aim for zero wins and tank and get a good draft pick rather than going eight and eight and picking in the 15th range every year because that is miserable. All right. Speaking of numbers that are high, the Oxford, there's something going on in Oxford right now. We have more DUIs than we've seen in years. We have what's being described as a Zandemic. We have shootings happening in student living areas. We have student or we have police shootings happening left and right. I'm out of Oxford, but it's seeing all this news is kind of making me wonder what's going on in Oxford right now. Joey, Randy, I know you guys are currently there. Kyle, I know you're kind of like me out there, but let's, let's head over to Joey. Joey, what are you seeing in Oxford? Do you still feel like it's the same small town loving, caring community or has things, have things really changed in the town? So I was kind of thinking about this earlier today when we were talking about, uh, what we wanted to say for tonight. And when I thought about it, it's I think it's more of the, uh, you know, this is the negative side to the Lane Kiffin effect, if we want to be totally honest, is people want to party and have a good time, and this is like kind of what happens is people have too good of a time, and people think that they maybe can drive when they shouldn't be driving. And also, with Oxford being a small town, there's not a lot of pull for Uber drivers or, you know, um, rideshare services to come here. So the prices are very inflated. And I think a lot of people, for whatever reason, even though they will pay astronomical amounts of money to get into the bars and pay $5 for a beer, like $7 for a mixed drink, they won't pay, pay for an Uber to go home. So I don't really get what the, the deal is there, but I don't know. It's a really weird time. And so you guys are also mentioning there was a, a board meeting this evening and the kind of excuse, or maybe not even excuse, but the reasoning that the mayor had given was that, you know, you guys are paying $40 for these covers. What's the problem with paying $15 for an Uber? And I think you just kind of touched on that where you were saying at the end of the day, there's not enough supply for the demand of people that need Ubers. Um, I guess at the same time, what would you do 
to curb that. It's not a lot of uh, it's not a, it's not about the price of the Ubers. It's more the availability. A lot of times you get on the app and it's not that the Uber's forty bucks or eighty bucks or whatever you know crazy price. It's that there's literally none available. Like we've gotten an Ubers leaving my house before and. The guy will say, like, yeah, I have three rods stacked up, like, from here on out. I'm, I'm set for the rest of the night, like, and they sit there and accept rides during your ride, and it just backs up. Like, I've had to wait 30 minutes or more sometimes. So I think a lot of it is just people that, like, well, I'm not going to wait. I can probably drive. You know, screw it. I'll go drive. And then they get, they wreck into a telephone pole, or they get pulled over because they drive through the square, which is stupid, but... You know, whatever. It's a, yeah, I think it's more of a supply issue than a demand issue. And then just with everything kind of going on with this, you know, pandemic and things like that, you know, people and also, you know, things being more available. Do you think it could also be a combination of it's not just people drinking? It's a combination of, you know, hitting a weed pen, hitting, you know, or, you know, taking some bars or something like that ahead of time. And just a combination of all those things going through your system that makes people a little bit more, uh, definitely not coherent, and that's why we're seeing you know, fifteen cars you know smashed in a parking garage or like you just said wrapped around a, a telephone pole or, or something like that. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that uh, a lot of the DUIs recently, as of you know, the last two or three months that have you know when it's supposedly become so bad, which I really think that it hasn't become that bad. It hasn't. It's not that much worse than it was, say this time last year. Um, but I think a lot of it is, it's, uh, it's not alcohol. I think a lot of them are drug related. So I think Oxford goes through like a, um, a time, a curve of like the amount of supply of drugs and the dryness. So when there's a bunch of Xanax going around, there's more DUIs. And then when there's no Xanax, there's no DUIs. Well, not none, but a lower amount. Um, Randy, any thoughts on what's going on in Oxford right now? I mean, it just feels to me like it's a bunch of entitled kids who refuse to call a friend or call an Uber or know not to drive. I mean, I'm not going to excuse it. I understand people are upset about it. People are, you know, saying this and that about, oh, it's the drug issues, the Uber prices, it's, you know, it's the cover prices taking my Uber money. If you can't afford a ride, if you can't afford an Uber, don't pay a cover. Don't go to the bars. I mean... And maybe I'm being an old man here. I don't think so. But um, it's just it's it's irresponsible. It's it's unexcusable. It seems to just be uh, kids thinking they can get away with stuff. Kids thinking they can, you know. Well, so part of the thing that I've noticed is an issue is like when I've gone to the square as somebody who is of age to be in a bar, you can tell there's a lot of people at all the bars um, that are clearly not of age. And that has to do, that, that, you know, influences the price of covers, that influences the price of Ubers, because there's more people going to the square, because they feel confident they can get into a bar. There's people getting in, so that influences the cover prices. So I think a big thing would be maybe if the city went back to being more strict on fake IDs. I know there for a while, we got pretty strict, like, if you're not 21, don't come to the square, kind of thing. And then it kind of laxed up with the whole COVID thing. Well, now that there's nothing to do in Oxford but go to the bars, I think you have a lot of people going to the bars that shouldn't be there, and that's also influencing the whole economics behind. One question for you, and I'm actually just kind of unaware on this. Are house parties not happening as frequently as they were prior to? Uh, no. House parties, so there were there for uh, last fall. There were a lot of house parties. And OPD really started cracking down on house parties um, as much as, like, people going to jail, overthrowing house parties for breaking city ordinances or whatever, you know. Um, pretty big fine. So I think I think that really deterred a lot of people from having house parties. And so that was kind of going to be my next kind of point is the lack of house parties where, you know, you pass out on your buddy's couch or, you know, front yard or something like that. Um you know, it makes people go to the square more. Could that be a contributing factor to where yeah. people are now, hey, I can't even stay at home and drink. I have to, if I want to see somebody, I have to now go to the square. And that could be kind of a, a detriment to, again, this whole like pandemic deal. Yeah. So, I mean, you have fraternities that aren't having events. People aren't having house parties. Like if you want to drink and be social, 
seems like the only place right now in Oxford you can go is the bar. So I think that also contributes. That's a big factor, too. I didn't even think about that. I mean, my rebuttal to that is I drink at the house. Like, you can drink at the house. You yeah, can granted, but you're an old man, so. Well, I'm also not getting DUIs. I mean, that's, well, that's fairly true. simple. That's true. I'm not getting I don't, DUI. I don't get DUIs, though. So. No, yeah, and I'm not... I'm I've not never got a DUI. I'm not saying you are. I'm not accusing you of a DUI. Yeah. Um, no, yeah, but I know what you're saying. You can drink at home. You can have buddies come over and hang out and have a few beers. You can have buddies come over and have a pretty you know, wild party if you want to. I just think that this whole thing is just entitled kids who refuse to follow rules. I mean, we still are in a pandemic. I understand kids are they're getting a little house ridden they're getting antsy they're ready to go do something and i understand that i get that i mean i've been a little antsy myself but i mean the fact that these bars are still packed out they're covered you know people are paying 40 dollars covers people are now getting duis just left and right it just it just seems like it's just immaturity and just entitlement at this point yeah i mean i haven't even paid for an uber in the last uh six eight months because i've been living at the square so I can just walk home. It's not like I'm not influenced by it that much. I just think it's uh and I don't I don't know how many people actually get DUIs. I don't know the statistics behind that. Um I want to say that maybe people on Twitter make it seem worse than it is. I mean, I personally haven't heard of one like a big wreck or anything in the past week or two. I don't you know. I mean, a week or two but, is not a very long span of time. But. <laughs> but I'm saying if it was like if it was so bad, you know, like a month ago when everybody was saying, "Oh, everybody's getting DUIs," like there's there's ten a night, like you know, I don't think it. I don't think it's. I don't. People, I don't know that it's as bad as Twitter makes it out to be. And on that point, just like you said, I think Twitter Twitter has kind of overblown a little bit of this. You know, we we were starting to hear people be, you know, they make jokes, and then there's people that are serious talking about like Oxford's just. You know, it's, it's going downhill. It's becoming a crime hub. Oxford's not a crime hub. Oxford, I've never, I mean, Oxford feels very safe. Oxford has a few incidents here and there that bring out the news and people complain about it and people joke about it. I mean, think these Randy, things. Randy, people want clout. Uh, yeah. <laughs> these, things, these things are going to happen in any city, especially a city where you have a bunch of immature young people concentrated. So I think the weirdest thing about that whole thing is a lot of people say that, and they overblow it and say Oxford's a crime hub, which it's not. But it's a lot of these things have never happened in Oxford before. I mean, when was the last time before the past year that you'd heard of there being a shooting in Oxford, like in a student resident complex? When was the last time there was a shooting? So I think a lot of it is just things that haven't been happening. And I don't want to say that it's a, it's because of COVID or, you know, a result of COVID. Um, I just think a lot of people are more on edge because of everything that's been going on the last year between politics, the pandemic, life in general. And I think a lot of things just are normal in other places, but because they don't usually happen in Oxford, it's now... Oxford's going downhill. Oxford's a crime hub. Oxford's this. Oxford's that. Uh, on that point, I would say I think a lot of overall the nation is on edge a lot more than it has been, especially over the past year, um, and not just in Oxford. And but I mean, this is legitimately like a nationwide type deal. Yes, yeah, so I'm saying is like people are people in general are on edge, and people are quick to jump to the conclusion that Oxford is something that it's not because they have this preconceived notion about what Oxford is, I guess. Well, I think it could also be, it's like, you know, sometimes it's like if you're in a big city, you're used to kind of seeing this kind of bad news kind of always happen, you know, even in normal times. And all of a sudden it's like everybody's kind of cooped up inside and you're, you know, reading about your favorite college town or something like that. And you're hearing now these stories seep into then the local news. And it kind of makes you wonder, it's like, well, shit, like, you know, this stuff, you know, is supposed to be happening in Atlanta, Dallas, Houston, you know, New Orleans, whatever. And now all of a sudden it's happening in Oxford. So it just kind of makes you wonder, like, man, is something else going on? But it's like we just kind of touched on it. It's like, no, it's just basically at the end of the day, everything right now is just on edge. And hopefully it's going to be able to calm down, uh, you know, here coming soon, hopefully with warmer weather coming up. But in the end, let's also uh, get things a little lighter around here. The uh, baseball team just dropped their walk-up songs for the 2021 season. So... 
Personally, I've got a couple or a few clubhouse leaders for best uh, walk-up song. I've got Ben Van Cleve leading the way with Shakira's Hips Don't Lie, followed up by Jacob Gonzalez with Lupe Fiasco's The Show Must Go On, Logan Savelle with uh, Run This Town, and Tyler Myers with Kanye's Amazing. Uh, personally, I'm always between the same two songs for my walk-up. I don't know if I would use one for if I was a closer or if I was a batter. I think if I was a batter or pitcher, no matter what, I'm always going to probably lead off in the first couple innings with Party in the USA. And if I was a closer, well, I might be dishing up a few homers, and so I'd always go with TIs, whatever you like. But with that said, I was going to say, you know, let's go around the board and get what you guys would have as your walk-up songs. And if there's anybody on the team right now that you got a, a, a fan favorite of already or basically a, a, a guy that you're like, man, why'd you pick that song? Uh, Joey, let's lead off with you. So currently my... Uh, biggest favorites are Kale Baker with Hotel Room Service. Um, That's a great story. And point. John Rice with <laughs> Teach Me How to Dougie. Well, I think you had something there with Kale Baker because every single time he comes up, <laughs> yeah, you're gonna have, you're gonna be picturing him singing that TikTok. So he played that song. I don't know if it started with a TikTok, but it kind of went viral. I'm pretty sure. Like if I can find the TikTok, he did that a voiceover with that song on TikTok and it got some crazy amount of likes. So the guy does have a very hotel room service vibe. Um, so I think, I think that's gotta be my most favorite one so far out of them all. And I just love Kale Baker. I think he has a very, Oh, it was a uh, make it rain fat Joe and Lil Wayne. Cause it reminds me of that video of like the 10 year old rec league kid cutting it up on the field. And that songs in the background. There's like the first, viral youtube video i ever saw all right and so if you had a walk-up song what would it be um my walk-up song probably would have to be fruitcakes by jimmy buffett because it uh it just kind of i don't know it's one of my most favorite songs all right randy what about you and it, it would throw people off like randy just with his facial expression was like <laughs> so you get the you know you get the defense you know that they get a little psyched out you crank one out to right field beer shower you know Crank one out and pause. <laughs> I'm going to beat myself there. <laughs> okay. Jesus. Uh, for one, I'm, I'm a little upset that um, Hips Don't Lie is not Peyton Chatagnier's walk-up song. Because he does a little hip shimmy every time he steps up to the plate. Like That just feels like it fits perfectly. Um, uh, thank God Gunnar Hoagland got rid of God's Country. Um <laughs> People, I know people like that song. That song just doesn't fit that vibe, I don't think. It, yeah, it does not fit the baseball game vibe at all. It doesn't fit the vibe. The song's okay. I, I'm not shitting on the song. So before I have people in my Twitter mentions, I just don't think it fit that situation. Um, same with Braden Forsyth. Last year he used a Culture Wall song, Sleeping on the Blacktop. And I love Culture Wall, but it just it was too slow. It just didn't fit as a walk-up song. So he's going with I Suppose by Quality Control this year. Uh, love to see that. That's about as big as a 180 difference as you can get. Sorry to interject. It, it is. Yeah. That's what I That's thought when like I saw it. Culture wall to quality control is like, what? Um, I'm glad that Doug Nikhazy has learned that Rooster is his walk-up song. There is no other song. He cannot change. Sorry, Doug. I know you tried that last year. Do not do that again. Um, you're going with Rooster. Uh, and then anything by ACDC is always just real electric. I mean, Shoot the Thrill is a great song. Hell's Bells by Jake, you know, Jacob Payne's walk-up song. Probably won't hear that much this year, but, um, you know, she's a thrill from Luke Damn, Baker. Damn, why do you got to do him like that? I mean, <laughs> I'm not doing him like that, but let's be honest. I mean, if Jacob Payne becomes all SEC, I will retract my statement and apologize to him. Um, Kevin Graham with Father Stretch My Hands, that's, I love that song, and that'll be that'll be fun. Amazing by Tyler Myers. That's really good, too. Um, so if I had a walk-up song and... I know y'all are going to laugh, and y'all probably don't even know this song. Um, if I'm a closer, I know it's going to be a Taylor Swift song, isn't it? It's not a Taylor Swift song. I don't. Wow. I can't. I, I can't pronounce the name of the song, so I'm just going to play a, a tidbit of it. <laughs> Is it Sandstorm? <laughs> no, it's Carmelo Dancing. Can you imagine hearing that as somebody runs out of the bullpen? I mean, full speed, just sending it. 
Like the whole stadium's jumping up and down. That just sounds electric. And you wonder where the Alvin and the Chipmunks are. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe I call. Maybe I put them as my hitting. If I'm a hitter, but I mean, if I'm a hitter, I'm probably just going something classic. So you know, maybe uh, outfield or you know some ACDC or Metallica. Just something classic that kind of fits. Kyle, your your thoughts on on all this? Um, so. Just I like Smells Like Teen Spirit by Wes Barton. I like that one. Good choice. And then um, let me run through because where is it? There it is. Hayden Leatherwood, Mississippi by Afro Man. Love that choice. That's going to be hilarious every single time. And then Brandon Johnson. The Juco came in. I think he did a little research on right field because he chose Thunderstruck by ACDC. And so every time he comes out, he just gave the outfield a drinking game. <laughs> Like, that's going to be awesome. <laughs> so, good choice yes. by him. I love that. Um, I think that was everybody. All the ones. You guys pretty much caught them all. But, yeah, I'm a big fan of Brandon Johnson for that now. I want to give a shout-out to Wes Burton, too. You brought his name up. I didn't know this until the other day, but he apparently painted some shoes and some cleats for some L.A. Dodgers players, and they wore them during the game. So, that's pretty cool. He's from California. Uh, apparently, he's got season tickets to Dodgers games, or his family does. And he has a pretty close connection with the Dodgers. So that just made me think about that when you brought his name up. Awesome. Tell him to uh, say hey to Trevor Bauer for me. He can say hey, he can say hey to Mookie Betts for me. <laughs> See if he can get me an autograph. <laughs> and Kyle, what would your walk-up song be? Um, I've gone along the same lines of, as you guys with the kind of classic rock. I went with um, LaGrange by ZZ Top. I think that would be a fun one. Right on. And you guys kind of brought it up talking about the Dodgers, but kind of some news, and I guess it's going to seep into potentially the SEC uh, with a coach's vote coming up, but the MLB recently approved of the, ex the, the free runner on second base to start each extra frame in 2021 uh, for any game that goes into extra innings. So the follow-up to that is the SEC coaches are supposed to be voting on this at some point in time this week or potentially next week to see if SEC baseball will allow that second runner or the runner on second for uh, the extra innings. And I guess going around the room, we're just going to kind of see, you know, where would you vote on this? A yes or a no? Um, and just kind of get, get some takes. Kyle, will lead this one off with you because you brought this one up. Um, I'm a hard no on this. I hate this rule. And I, I was actually, I'm always shocked at like how many people actually like this rule. Um, I'm more of a traditionalist when it comes to baseball. I'm even on the fence about DH in both leagues, although I really did like that last year. Um, made it kind of more interesting. So I've, I've loosened up a little bit on that one. But I don't like this rule. I, I don't like the fact, and I think this is just MLB. With you're not, You have to have three batters when you come in. You can't come in to face one batter now. hate that rule. It's to quick the game. It's really not doing that much in the long run. But for this one, I don't like that. I just play the game like normal. And then the other thing that I hate is the fact that you can throw a perfect game, and it wouldn't really happen in college, but in MLB, you can technically throw a perfect game and still lose the game. That should never be a possibility. You can pitch 27 straight outs, have it go to tied 0-0 to the 10th, and then runner on second, get three straights out, three straight outs, but if two of those are fly balls and the runner scores on sack flies, you lose the game now. That's ridiculous. That should not be a possible thing. So I hate this rule. I think they should just play it like normal. I agree with you. I think it's more like a shootout in hockey. I did not like that rule when that got implemented where, you know, I was fine with, you know, five minutes of overtime and it's a tie game. Then you add in the shootout and it's basically for basically the fans and it kind of ruins the whole flow of the game. Um, you know, it's like you play the same type of style for 60 minutes plus five minutes and all of a sudden you're just doing one-on-ones going in. So I definitely agree with you where it just kind of ruins it. It seems like it's more for a casual fan or even a fan of like a fan that's not even really a fan of the sport. It's just something to see on SportsCenter or something like that afterwards to where people that actually are involved and invested in the sport and enjoy it for what the game of the sport actually is, it, it just ruins the flow. So I, I'm with you. It, it's it'd probably be a hard no for me as well. I was actually, I don't want to ramble on too much more, but just another thought on it was um, I like, especially in college, in MLB, there's an argument, but in college where you have so many different scholarship players and guys that don't really play, like, is there harm in going those extra innings? You get different faces in. It's fun for them. 
the college game is also much faster than the MLB game. And then, um, like, does anyone hate seeing some extra innings? Like, the Georgia-Clemson game two years ago in 2019 that went, like, 17 innings, that was awesome. That was so much fun to watch. And I don't know. I just I didn't realize these extra inning games were such a problem. I hope they vote no on it. I kind of disagree a little bit with you and Kyle. Um, I will say, first off, I'm, a, I'm indifferent to this rule. I, at first, I was against it, kind of like Kyle, because I am a sort of a traditionalist. I do want universal DH in pro baseball. But... And also, now, I'm not a fan of the, you have to face three batters with a relief pitcher. That's just stupid. Um, but I'm indifferent on this because I think this plays to our advantage. You're saving bullpen arms. You're saving other pitchers. It's more of a, you're, you're not going to go with as many deep games. And let's be honest, there's not just too many deep college baseball games. Yeah, that's the other thing. That, that's the problem. Like, I've, I've never been in a college game that went like 14, 15 innings. Like... They typically go, if they go to extras, it's usually settled by the 11th. Um, indifferent in the way of, like, I'm not going to be upset if they vote yes on it, but at the same time, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't, I'd probably vote no, but if I'm a team that has a weak bullpen, I'm probably voting yes, because that's going to be a benefit to you. Because even if you lose, okay, cool, I didn't burn through my arms. I can go tomorrow and try to win another one. But I don't know, I mean... It does seem like it seems pointless. It seems like you're tainting the game a little bit. You're putting runners on base. Like that just feels weird. And like Kyle presented, it just takes two slack, two long sack flies, and game's over. But I'll also say that that's very short-term thinking. Like you just mentioned, it's like if you have a bad bullpen this year and you vote yes, well, what happens in three years when you actually have recruited a decent bullpen? And well, the rule is going to sit like stay the same. Or is this just a rule change that might just happen for this one year? You know Vanderbilt's voting no. <laughs> yeah, Vanderbilt's voting voting no. I'm thinking more along the lines of like really bad teams, <laughs> like like teams that are historically not good that are like, hey, this could help us out. You know, we're not going to burn through our arms. Like Ole Miss and State and Vanderbilt, LSU, those teams probably aren't really worried about that. They're just thinking like, sure, whatever. I don't know how they're going to vote. I I assume it passes. Yeah. So my biggest thing is, uh, I I like the idea. Well. I'll accept the idea for the MLB. Um, I don't want it anywhere near college baseball. Like kind of what Randy was saying, how I've never seen a college baseball game go past the 11th inning. I think, And I think it just kind of – college baseball is quick. It's quicker than MLB. So why make college baseball go any faster when it doesn't really have a need to? I, I mean, I think the MLB can try it. It does feel weird to just automatically get a rant, like a because you're in extra innings, you get a runner on second base. It feels weird, but give it a try. But don't bring it to college baseball. Okay. So basically, we've got a, a zero, three, and one vote on this, meaning n- none of us are for it. All right. Well, on that note, we'll wrap up episode 29 of The Bait Shack. As always, be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Bait Shack underscore. And be sure to give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And be sure to follow us on Spotify by searching for The Bait Shack. Other than that, thank you guys very much for joining us. And we look forward to catching you guys Monday night.